You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, Bill Mafia? I'm Fernando Shimudi, that's your lead in the charts. And today I have the pleasure of having with me Anthony Prohaska from Cover One. My brother, thank you so much for joining us today here at Buffalo Rumblings, man. You're always welcome. I appreciate it. I uh, I always enjoy chopping up football with you and then European football as well, aka soccer. And yeah, it's a good time. It's February, free agency's coming up, the draft is coming up. Um, I've changed my Christmas trees to be Valentine's Day themed, so they're still like awesome. in the theme. I'm going to try and keep this tree up for as most of the year as I can. It's a good time, yeah. Yeah, awesome, man, awesome. I always try to do the, the same thing as well, but my wife, unfortunately, doesn't allow me. So every single time we need to build and rebuild this this tree. So <laughs> the, the, the living, the one, the main one in the living room that comes down usually like when January ends, February ends. And then that yeah. one stays up all year round. And I think like, just because it's in my, it's in like my part of the office and Got it's it. not in the house, like she's fine with, but every time she comes in, she's looking <laughs> and she's like, when is the big tree going to come down? And I'm like, well, it's February and it's Valentine's day and all this stuff is red. So it fits for the theme. And she just kind of like rolls her eyes and walks out. Like once we hit March, I don't think I'll be able to do it anymore unless I like fully decorate it with like clovers and St. Patrick's Day stuff or something, which I don't think is going to work. So it'll probably leave in a couple weeks. <laughs> Man, I, I, I got you. And, and I think um, the keys of that for me was some time ago, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, we were still living in another city and I was still playing professionally. And I remember going home for Christmas and my wife was uh, working and she asked me to to build the the tree for christmas right and i started to to do so but i couldn't find the base man the base of the tree you know that happens to me every year every year that happens to me man i couldn't find it anywhere so what did they do i simply built the tree laying down okay and when when my wife arrived home there was that tree that christmas tree laying down uh, uh in front of the sofa you know but all prepared with all the lights and all the the balls, everything. But laying down a different kind of tree. So, and and I thought it was fine like this, but unfortunately, my wife <laughs> yeah, no. never forgave me. And and now now one every time we need to build and rebuild it every time. So I think uh, that was my the keys of death for my chances <laughs> of keeping that that tree all year round. You know, never again. Yeah, never again. <laughs> Never again, <laughs> brother. Before I start talking bills and bills mafia, please hit that like button, subscribe to Buffer Rumblings channel. We always appreciate all your help. Uh, people will join us uh, on the comment section as well. Uh, RJ Mel <laughs> will keep the double trees as long as possible, and there it, it is. Yes, uh, we are all in here, we are all in favor of this. My wife will watch this. We, my wife 
won't understand anything. So I, I'm not helping my case here, but uh, <laughs> no worries. I, I will try to translate to her later. And Fabrice is joining also sending a go bills. We'll talk a lot of free agency. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit of draft as well. I really want to hear uh, Ant's opinion, opinions on some of the, the guys that I've been mocking to the Bills through free agency, through draft, and, and also others that I haven't mocked and, and should be doing so. And it's going to be fun. But before starting to do it, uh, it's been a long time since we've done it, and we, we, we must do it more, uh, more often than we've, we've doing this. And last time I remember talking to you offline about Messi joining Miami, Inter Miami, and maybe you having an opportunity to go down south and watch a little bit of Messi being a, a big Barcelona fan as you are. And so almost a year after that, that conversation, did you get an opportunity to watch Messi live? How how's it going in US with Messi out there? So I ha- I didn't do it with the past season, like especially with when he joined Inter Miami, and I was like, okay. I, so I've been kind of waiting for this season, and my wife and I are in the midst of planning. So the, the easiest thing that I thought, because I live in Buffalo, Toronto's like an hour and twenty minutes away, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like they're gonna play Toronto FC, and I could just go right up to Toronto. Yeah. But they play Toronto in Toronto, the second last game of the regular season. Mm-hmm. And I could see like, I don't know what if they sit them to like get ready for playoffs. And I mean, I'm assuming they're going to make the playoffs, but like, mm-hmm. I like, what if they sit them? I don't know if that's going to happen. So now we're literally yesterday, we were, my wife and I were talking about it of where we're going to go. I think we're just going to end up going down to Miami and kind of picking like, no disrespect. I don't follow MLS too much. No disrespect mm-hmm. to anybody in the MLS, um, but I'm going to like, Figured out. I know I have a good gist of it. I'm going to try and see what the best possible matchup is and then go uh, go and see him down there in Miami. And then if he still plays up here in Toronto, cool, I'll do that as well. But I also know, like, man, like, I we had a trip to Barca, like, planned to watch Messi and then COVID hit. And I just know, like, no matter where I see him here, it's just not going to be the same as, like, seeing him at yeah. the Camp Nou. And I'm still, like, we talked about it the last time. I'm still, like... I still just can't believe the Barcelona board fumbled this so bad that Messi like didn't finish in bar. Like it's ridiculous that he went anywhere else. Like this isn't a scenario where, Oh, you know, like Ronaldo could go somewhere else or like so many of the great like dudes throughout soccer who like haven't stayed with one team. It's like, okay, like Messi was never that guy. And you had, I just, I really can't still, I still can't believe that he like, isn't at Barca and they they fumbled it with horrible management and poor finances and all this underhand underhanded shady nonsense. So even like if I see him here, I'm gonna be like, yay, but in the back of my mind, I'll be like, oh, I should be seeing him at Barca. Like <laughs> Yeah, man, I totally understand. Something kind of similar is happening here in Brazil right now with the news of NFL coming here to start mm-hmm. next season, with the Eagles coming here to play their first game of the season here in Brazil. Yeah, and people ask me all the time, "Are you going to watch the game?" And and man, it's in São Paulo. It's a little bit far away from where I am. Not not really far away, but I can make the trip. But it's gonna be incredibly expensive, right? It's not the bills, and even mm. if if it were the bills, it wouldn't be the same as going to yeah. Buffalo to watch the bills. You know, so man, uh, 
I believe one of the easiest trips to US for Brazilian people is going to Miami for example, right? Mm. It's one of the easiest trips uh, uh, flight-wise to watch a game in, in the US. But I don't want to watch the Bills in Miami. I want to yeah. watch the Bills in Buffalo, you know? So Yeah, there's I, just I, something like... The it's just you know? Yeah, there's just something special about seeing like your team in like that kind of atmosphere in that spot. Like I, yeah, I would. Yeah. It's just, it, it it's, oh, I still can't believe they, like I was watching Barca <laughs> Wednesday in champions league. And I was just like, yeah. and like Lewandowski scored. And I was just like, Oh good. But also like screw Lewandowski. Like I can't believe Messi's not back here. Like I was just, and I really thought there was going to be a chance that when before he joined Miami, I was like, he went to PSG for a couple years. He's going to come back. He's going to come mm -hmm. back. It's going to mm -hmm. happen. And he wanted to again. And yeah. they were just so financially and poorly run that he literally was like, I can't, like, I have to make a decision. And I don't, like, he literally didn't have enough faith in the Barca board to fulfill their word. So he went to Miami where, granted, they gave him millions of dollars and cut him in on, like, the MLS profits and all this kind of stuff. But it's just... He's too good to be there still. He shouldn't be there. Yeah. He should be in True. Europe. Like, or even I would have, we talked last time. I would have been cool if he went back and played for like Boca or like River Plate or whatever. Like play somewhere where there's, again, no disrespect because the MLS dudes are still professionals. But like you should be in Europe and you should have never left Barca. Like this should have been like an Andrea Pirlo type of thing where he's playing through Barca until like he can't walk anymore. Until his yeah. like, until his FIFA speed is like 30 <laughs> and he can't move. Like that's where he should be. Yeah, that's the perfect definition. When your FIFA speed rating goes down 50, then yeah. it's time to move to MLS. And that was Not close. I remember, I remember like Pirlo's, I think like last year in like like playing, like yeah, his feet before he jumped, like his FIFA speed there was like, yeah, it was like 49 or 51. And I was like, yeah, he's got to retire. This is so slow. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, I, I could talk soccer to you forever as well, and then it would be very fun, but very fun. But let's talk some bills. That's why people are here uh, watching and, and listening to us, right? And before going to free agent and draft, since we haven't talked since the end of the season, now with the season far behind already, we can put it like this because we are totally focused on the next season. We, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl again. And okay, screw them. But... Yeah, I was gonna say boo. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, how how do you look to this last season? Because man, for me that that loss was painful as well, right? And now I can look and see that okay, maybe especially with the loss of Terrell Bernard and what he's he's become for this defense, right? Mm. Uh, Maybe it would be too much to overcome, even if they could survive the Chiefs, you know. And obviously they couldn't. Uh, looking at those, all those injuries, all the way the season ended, what's the balance to do of that season? And and how can the Bills build forward, uh, build on this this base from coming from the last season? You know, you, you said it so well. Like it, it starts with that injury piece. When looking back at the season. And I think that's the thing that frustrates me so much. Like I, you never want like your team to lose, but I have no problem like going out and okay. You know, you played the other team played better. You lost. It is what it is. But just knowing the bills lost by three to the chiefs and they had so many people, like I'm not even talking about Trey white and Matt Milano, like literally 
Rasul Douglas playing on one leg and Christian Benford being out, Terrell Bernard being out, like Daquan Jones back, but not playing a hundred percent, like so many injuries. And then the chiefs, you know, they did their thing, but they were like pretty healthy, largely healthy. And it's just, I would have loved to see what that game would have looked like. Even if I, even if we just got Terrell Bernard, your boy who you love and who you nailed on his breakout season, like even if they just got Bernard back, yeah, absolutely. Even if they just got him back, I, I, I think it would have been a different matchup and a different game. So it starts there. And then obviously going through the entire year, like if Milano doesn't go down and if Trey doesn't go down, what do they look like if Daquan Jones doesn't go down? Like all of these things that just kept spiraling. It starts there and it's frustrating, but there are the positives and there are ways to go forward and build, like you said. And I think you have a solid, especially defensively, you've got this kind of young core that's unexpectedly emerged. Like you've got Milano already and then Ed Oliver became a piece and then you're still thinking Greg Rousseau is going to be a piece. But then Terrell Bernard emerged. Christian Benford, I think, is even – Benford, for me, is even the bigger one because going into the season, it was like, okay, who's going to start at linebacker? Is it going to be Bernard or is it going to be Dodson? And people kind of had an idea like, well, it could be Bernard and thinking of him that way. I still don't think people were looking at Christian Benford thinking like, oh, cool, like he could be like a CB2. He was a legitimate number two corner, and he's still trending upward. So like the mm-hmm. emergence of – this young core on defense and then pairing them with the other like piece of the core on defense. And now you've got this fun, like, okay, Milano and Bernard and Benford and Oliver. And, you know, we'll see if they extend Rasul Douglas. He could be a nice veteran piece who's still on the right side of like uh, of his career in terms of his prime and going forward. We'll see what happens with Greg Rousseau going forward. Like I, I like some of the pieces they have defensively to build upon. Obviously they have a ton of work to do on the defensive line and free agency and we'll mm-hmm. see what happens at safety. But I like what they have defensively to go along with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, And and then even two like younger guys emerging as cores, Osiris Torrance looking good at right guard for a majority of the year. Dalton Kincaid, James cook. You have all these kind of like young guys starting to come together. Spencer Brown stabilized a little bit. I'm not ready to say he's going to be a core guy, but I think despite the disappointing end of the season, and it definitely was, trying to take the positives like this is still a good football team and they've got some good young football players that can be that nucleus that you can build around and try and stack and go further no doubt man no doubt that's awesome and talking still about the losses it's not just the the the, the results but the way it happened yes. like yes. it yes. seems like the script writers you know they are torturing us you know with the little details the- they just they just can't lose like if they not only do they lose but they just can't have like a loss. It has to be this torturous, awful way to lose a game, like inventing new ways to lose games. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's it, honestly going back to, it's what I felt like not to keep bringing it to soccer. It's what I felt like at the end of Messi's run with Barca choking away in the second leg against Roma in friggin' champions league, doing it against Liverpool, like, and then like getting destroyed by Bayern in the COVID mm-hmm. year, like all of these things, I was just like, what is happening? Like all of these horrible ways to find ways to lose games in ways that you hadn't seen before or weren't expecting. It's just, yeah, like the script writers are just like yeah. trying to dig that knife into you. It's brutal. Yeah, it's RJ <laughs> Sam. They're the like, worst. Yeah. Like Bass kicks the ball wide right. Man, of course, wide, wide right. right man. Of Kick the course. ball. Under the, the shank it left, go left, wide yeah, right, like out of the stadium, man. But don't do that. Not only do you miss, but it goes wide right. Like I, that's just so, like 
the only thing that would have made it worse is if that ball went wide right and then like hit Jim Kelly in the face in the stands or something like that, just to make it all like bring yeah, it in a full circle. Man, you know what was the last last stab on my heart was when the, the Chiefs were like the first nine possessions and the the first half first half entirely of the Super Bowl without scoring and still win the game. And we were all year long since Dorsey's days, like the Bills aren't scoring until the halftime or the Bills yeah. are several possessions without scoring to start the game. And then the Chiefs do that and still win the Super Bowl. So it, it were like it looked like they were looking at us, you know, and, and winning the Super Bowl yeah. and looking at us and saying, see, we see. can still do the things, the awful things you do, but we can still win. <laughs> like, it's it's incredible, man. It's incredible. I hate it. Sport, sports are nothing but pain. It's nothing but misery. And just yeah, like just finding those ways to lose. Like I would have been, I would have been fine if the Chiefs came out and like blew out the Bills like thirty-one to ten. It would have sucked, but I'm like, all right, cool. They were better. We were banged up, but to lose by three and have the wide right, like just after like two plays before, Allen almost hits Shakir for that touchdown. Like all these little tiny just knives, knives like sticking Ooh. into you. It. It's just oh, one hundred percent, man, one hundred percent. And Spin says here, I didn't know Ant knows Portuguese. Obviously, he does. Uh, and say some words in Portuguese too to Spin, please. You know, uh, I don't uh, uh, say thank you in Portuguese for him. Like, My Portuguese is so good, I don't want to show up your Portuguese, which isn't as good as mine. And you're the host, so I don't want to be a poor guest or yeah, be please. rude. Don't um, make me look no, bad. So. So I don't my, want to do that. No, not at all. My people here in Brazil will <laughs> never forgive me. <laughs> I should though. Like I thought yeah, every time like I come on the show, I'm always like, I should study my butt off for like a day or two. One just nonstop sentence. Portuguese. And then come in and like try and say like the first five sentences in Portuguese just to have you be like, wait a minute. Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah, 100%. It would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on, and the Bills obviously have some some work to do in the free agency we have. Man, and especially looking at the defensive line, because it's been like yesterday, and we had invested like first-round pick on Ed Oliver, first-round pick on Greg Rousseau, second-round pick on Akaneza, second-round pick on Boogie Bastion, and it seems like, oh, okay, we are stacked on the defensive line. And sign Von Miller, sign Leonard Floyd, and then here we are with few few bodies still there, looking for for some upgrades there. And would you agree with me that that might be the the biggest hole in this team? Because all of us all love the wide receiver talk, but let me be honest to you, I'm less worried about wide receiver two this year than I was one year ago because I wasn't sure about Kincaid as a rookie. Uh, we had everybody liked Shakir a little bit, but nobody could really expect him to become a, a dependable guy like he has become recently, right? Yeah. And and I kind of doubt Gabe. I, I I couldn't trust Gabe. I, I I was all about okay. He was playing injured, and and now he's healthy. But I wasn't one hundred percent safe on Gabe as wide receiver too, like confident. I thought like he would be great as a number three, number four in the role that he used to have in our office, not the main number two guy, you know. 
And now it's different. Now we have Kincaid going to his second year and trending the right direction. We can trust him a little bit more, right? As this, mm -hmm. he's established himself as the second pass mm -hmm. catcher in this group. Oh, he's not the wide receiver. That's a, a, a dumb take, in my opinion. Like when people say Mahomes has no wide receiver one, he has Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Come on, that guy is a, an elite weapon as his mm -hmm. number one pass catcher, right? Yep. So we have Kincaid established as maybe the second guy and Shakir coming right behind and becoming a guy that Josh can trust in, in difficult times and in the biggest times of, of big games. Mm -hmm. So maybe wide receiver two isn't even that much of a need. We don't need really... Everybody would love to have the next number one guy for Josh getting developed alongside Diggs and I would as well, but maybe this... The, the, the Bills front office can look at the position and just say, look, we need a guy to stretch the field, mm. to open space for digs underneath, for, for Kincaid, for Shakir, a role player, an elite role player. Maybe, right? And if they can find the next big thing in at one receiver, great. But if we can find a, a deep thread that can stretch the field and do his job and, and be fine, maybe not having all those targets his way, right, mm -hmm. in the beginning of his career... Maybe it's good enough, but at the defensive line, man, we need a, def a starting defensive tackle. We need solid rotational pieces there. We need a pass rusher, an edge rusher, with knowing that Von Miller hasn't been the same. We hope he can get better again, but we don't know. And Rousseau has had some, some injury issues as well, despite being able to play through them. So is defensive tackle or, or even defensive line in general the biggest need and where the Bills should really focus in this offseason in front of the wide receiver talk? 1,000%. Um, it's something I've been saying since the season ended. I even I, I started to get into it a little bit, Yeah, I think maybe like December, yeah, end of November or December, because I was looking at just like 2024 stuff and trying to see what's up. And that's when I saw who the Bills had under contract for 2024. They only have six defensive lineman under contract for 2024. It's Von Miller, Ed Oliver, Greg Rousseau, Elianku, Kingsley Jonathan, and Cameron Klein. And what I've continued to say is even if all six of those guys were all pros, starting caliber, amazing, you would still need to add to your defensive line. But all six of those guys are not all pro and starting caliber guys. And exactly to your point, you need a starter opposite of Ed Oliver and minimum you need another rotational guy behind them. Like if you think Ilianku can be your number four, and I like Ilianku, like, but I'm, I'm not ready to say he can be the number four guy in the defensive tackle rotation. But even if you love him, cool. Minimum, you need a starter and another rotational guy, and then you need depth guys and camp bodies, you know, behind that. Even if you think Anku is the four, and then you're looking mm -hmm. at Edge. Tons of questions around Von Miller, like you said. Greg Rousseau has been awesome against the run, still kind of putting things together as a pass rusher. He's not a true number one from a pass rush perspective yet, although the advanced metrics are nice for him. But you need to, even if you think Vaughn is ready to come back to a starting level, cool. That means you need a three and you need a four to play along with Vaughn and Rousseau. But because Vaughn is a question mark, do you need a starter so Vaughn can be the third guy or the rotational guy? Like, however you slice it, there's so much work that has to be done on the defensive line again. And, and I love your point of you saying like how much the bills rotate on the defensive line, which everybody in the NFL pretty much does now. Like that's the way defensive lines work. The bills only have six dudes under contract for this year and not, and all six of those dudes aren't going to be rotation guys. They're not ready to play and start in the NFL 
and see meaningful snaps or reps. So yeah, defensive line is 1000% the biggest need for me. And I like, I like the aspect of the wide receiver two conversation because of, you know, getting yourself a more dynamic skill set and having that field stretching capability and being able to pull coverage, but also being like a threat downfield to get open because of your speed. But to your point, that wide receiver two isn't necessarily going to be the second targeted person on this team because the number two target is Dalton Kincaid, exactly to your point. And then the number three target could easily be Khalil Shakir. And honestly, in Joe Brady's offense with how he uses the running backs, the number three or four target could be James Cook. And then we also know how much they're going to run the ball. So Cook's going to factor in there. So then whoever your wide receiver two is, how many targets are there? Are they getting? But then you have to weigh that along with, okay, it's not just the targets. It's being able to pull coverage and stretch the field and open things up for Kincaid and open things up for Diggs. And I do think that's a need. But given given the wide receiver landscape and free agency, given how strong the draft class is for wide receiver in this draft, you can you can do a lot with wide receiver by not having to make it your top priority, and especially given you only need like one or two defensive line, you would legitimately need like six or seven bodies right now, and three or four of those minimum have to be quality bodies ready to see starting reps and meaningful snaps. Yeah, one hundred percent. Then I think a lot of people feels like mm-hmm. uh, RJ is commenting here about Absolutely. after all the investment in defensive line, we still need to invest in defensive line again but unfortunately uh that's what happens when you can't sometimes hit on those picks or you can't properly develop them or or some things things goes wrong we 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 are a little bit unlucky with the injury on home miller before the injury it was all good in my opinion like okay Mm -hmm. the the, maybe the contract is a bit too rich but that's von miller man you 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 wouldn't have him if not paying that much right and and He was doing his thing, and, and I hope he can get back on track and, and be a, a solid guy out there. But that's why. That's why we are in this situation again. And let's be honest. Uh, we, we just played against the Chiefs, and we were close to being able to beat them with Sheffield as our wide receiver, too, in this mm. role that we have an opening now. So uh, it's not like we need a huge upgrade there, right? Uh, this offense... He's trending in the right direction, and and obviously we can upgrade here and there. But other than wide receiver two, it's difficult to draft a guy that will be able to start to to demote somebody right in the yeah. offensive line in, in in the wide receiver group. So I feel like the the offense is kind of set, mm-hmm. and and that's why I feel like the move maybe for for example trading up. A lot of people have thrown it out there. Trade up and invest your next year's first trade up for neighbors man i'd love neighbors when i watched neighbors i remember uh sammy watkins as a prospect and i was a big sam watkins fan as as you know and so i i i love to uh, the idea of adding neighbors and and he's learning from digs and he's already a guy who can maybe in the end of the year you already talking about him over digs maybe ever but Man, the investment right now for for this position and taking into consideration all we need on the other side of the ball, especially, it's difficult to to justify going that route, right? And and just to to summarize a little bit more to or to explain a little bit better this situation. And recently, I was listening to Steve Smith Senior uh, talking about his favorite wide receiver prospects, and 
he was talking about the things that he takes into consideration and when, when evaluating wide receivers and one of the things that he mentioned was about is this guy ready for the ro role that he's gonna receive mm. because one thing is draft neighbors to be your number one day one or to draft marvin harrison jr or any of those, mm. those top guys to be your number one day one just like we did with sammy watkins he mm. entered the the bills the one bills drive and he was wide receiver one since day one right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he's gonna get the ball he's gonna get the targets he's gonna be happy because the ball is going his way sammy was even <laughs> unhappy being number one yes right he was number one and he wasn't happy with the number of targets he was getting. so much going on with sammy walking <laughs> yeah but man we can't like trade up for neighbors and have him as the fourth or the fifth guy in the, the targets share you know you you won't be able to throw yeah. the ball to Dix, to Kinkey, to Shakir, and they neighbors and ask him to block and to just go fly routes and stretch the field. Man, the guy will be unhappy from day one, right? Yeah. So that's not the way you invest in your one in, in a wide receiver. And maybe the Bills will need to focus on a guy that at least at the beginning of this, his career, he, he's fine being that guy that Gabe Davis has been. And props to Gabe Davis on that department because He's never been a guy that really needed a lot of targets to produce. He produced in, mm. in, a, in a situation where he could live with less targets, but taking the most of them. Mm -hmm. And maybe recently, because he have, hasn't been able to, to take the most of the, those targets as he's done in the past, maybe so many people uh, turned the page on him recently. And I'm included on that, right? I'm a little bit overcritical on him, but I can't understand... He always scored a lot of touchdowns for us. He always had, mm -hmm. did a good job for us blocking as well and, mm -hmm. and playing his role as he should. But now yeah. we need somebody that play at the level he used it to do or even better in that situation. But the guy needs to be able to accept that role. That role. And it's not that easy to find, right, Then, Yeah, I mean, that that's part of what made Gabe Davis so appreciated amongst his teammates and on this team is because he he did the dirty work like he blocked and he ran the clear out routes that are so many people used to point out when they would knock Gabe Davis be like oh like look at his yards per route run it sucks and it's like yeah because he's not like the primary target there were so many Gabe Davis routes where his job is literally to run a route to be a decoy and make defensive players follow him so it opens something else up for digs or knocks over the middle or something like that he did a lot of that you know the the work that doesn't get glorified and doesn't get you know put on highlight film and doesn't get put on the stats like he did a lot of that dirty work and that was the role of that you know wide receiver two in the bills offense so and i think that also ties into like the joe brady conversation then because okay is Brady still looking to have that be like a role for wide receiver too? Does he want more targets for that option? Like, does he need to? Because again, Kincaid in a good way <clears throat> really muddies the waters because he's your, your target too. I know he's not a wide receiver, but you drafted him in the first round last year as a receiving threat. He is going to be that guy. And given the depth in the wide receiver class. Like I understand the notion of going wide receiver in the first round or even, yeah, let's trade up and get neighbors or Romo Dunze. And let's really, you know, put, put it, put everything forward. But I think to that point, like you could use that first round pick or trade up in the first round for 
a higher positional need that still has a blue chip, really good player in it, like Byron Murphy, defensive tackle from Texas, who I love, right? Like you could do that and then still get in the second round or third round at wide receiver, a wide receiver that can make an impact. Like just using the Washington Husky receivers, for example, you could trade up in the first round and get Romo Dunze. Sure. Or you could stay where you are in the first round, get a really good defensive player at the end of the first round, defensive line or safety. And then in the second round, you could take Jalen Polk, the other wide receiver from Washington, or Jalen McMillan, the other wide receiver from Washington, or maybe McMillan falls the third. Like, and that's just one example. Like, there's so much depth in this class. And then to your point, you take one of those guys and then you allow them to kind of fit that role of, okay are you option three or option four as a rookie? And then you start to build and go from there. And then maybe they're ready to take that torch or that mantle from Diggs Once his time is done here, like it is a different dynamic because exactly to your point, like say they do trade up for neighbors. Okay. That's awesome. What's the target share doing? Cause Diggs's target share isn't going anywhere. I know it suffered a little bit under Brady, but Diggs's target share is going to be Diggs's target share. Then you've got Kincaid and then you've got neighbors, which is like, it sounds awesome, like, and I think that's super sweet, but somebody isn't going to be getting those targets. And one, they may get upset, but two, my thought then is resource allocation. Like, so, okay, you've got these three top studs as pass catchers, but one of them is only going to get like 60 targets in the year. And is that really like worth all that investment and all that sacrifice to trade up and get Kincaid or trade up to get neighbors or make that kind of splash? And then you're juxtaposing that with looking at your defense being like, you know, we did that and now we have to start. Like now we signed me to play defensive tackle because that's what the Bills had to do. Like it's just like that type of resource allocation, figuring out what it is. Yeah, no doubt. RJ has this question here about he doesn't understand Davis was if he wasn't true wide receiver too, why he wasn't pulling coverage from Diggs. And I feel like I feel like and when Gabe was at his best. He made he punished people from paying too much attention on Diggs, like in the 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 four touchdown game against the Chiefs, the mm -hmm. the, the big game against the Chiefs, and, and other games where he was at his best. He could make people pay of of letting him one on one against people. I just feel like recently he hasn't been able to take advantage of those opportunities, and and that's why uh, we saw some some struggles on the offense and and. And recently, we've seen other guys taking advantage of all the attention on Diggs, like Shakir in the playoff run. Shakir was awesome. And it was pretty clear that he was getting some, some opportunities because the attention was on Diggs, was on, on Kincaid as well, right? And, and I feel like the, the, most, the things that really make me move on from Gabe right now, and one of the things we already discussed in the past, the, the, the drops sometimes. And but the, the thing that really concerned me, and maybe it's not even 100% on Gabe and it's on Josh as well, but it has been only happening or mostly happening with, between Josh and Gabe and those miscommunications, you know, on those option routes and, and, and when they weren't on the same page. And I know it sucks, but we're not moving on from Josh, so yeah. it might be Gabe, you know. So, yeah, that's the situation. Oh, look, remember when 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 uh who was it man the the juventus guy said i, I can't play with messi in argentina because we play the same position no they won't play D man dibala dibala yes. yeah yeah it was like cool so cool paulo dibala you ain't playing then like here yeah, like the guy is the main juventus striker you know he's having a great season in in italy it, that was like some years ago 
And then the guy it. goes to Argentina and he says, look, I can't play with Messi because we play the same position. I love that. I was yeah, so like, we won't play, man. No, so, you're not, you're not no. doing anything. Like I, you obviously like my love for Messi when Dabala was doing his thing and he scored a cracker of a goal against Barcelona yeah. in champions league, like many, many, like 2017, 18, something like that. But I remember thinking, man, like Dabala's up and coming, like, Argentina might have a squad to finally win a World Cup. And then I was always like, why is Dabala not getting work in the Argentina squad? And I read that quote and I was like, oh, because he's an idiot. Like, that's so dumb. Like, just you can't. Oh, man. Yeah, I that I love that. I love that reference from you. That you made know, me so, so mad. Obviously, Gabe never said anything about Josh. And then Josh always takes full responsibility. But, man, if you're right on the same page, if Josh is throwing inside and you're going outside, I don't care if you're right going outside. Learn something, learn what that whatever Josh is watching or seeing and do that because Josh is gonna be there for a long time, you know, and you're gonna have chemistry with him. Otherwise, you're you're doomed as a Bills wide receiver, right? So that's why I, I appreciate Gabe a lot. I still believe the Bills will try to bring him back if the opportunity arises. I've been saying it for a long time now. But I hope he get he gets paid and he has yeah. a new start everywhere. He's the guy is a hard worker. Maybe he will play awesome with another guy and we'll talk. See, the problem wasn't Gabe. I don't care, man. I I feel like we can go in a different direction and maybe um, have more success. And he might have more success uh, in another place as well. But talking wide receiver too, and I had a, I had a. a and it's one day of insomnia, all right, an insomnia night, and I called it the insomnia mock-off season. I did and, and posted on Twitter. I didn't post on the show. But, man, that was the, the best of season, the best mock-off season I had for the Bills, the one that I was, the, uh, I was happier for, right? <laughs> I don't see it happening, but I, I want to just um, tell you what happened in that mock-off season because... I went to that, that mock with the same mindset as, as always. I won't do what I would do. I will try to, to put myself on Vince's shoes and, and act like him. But when I saw T. Higgins and I saw Antoine Winfield hitting the market, I couldn't resist. And I was like, ah, let me just bid. I will bid for once uh, value here and see if it works. And it worked. I don't believe it will work in real life, okay? But it worked. And I could get um, T. Higgins for 18 million a year, right? It, it, I think it's his portrait value right now, but I feel like it's a little bit uh, low, right? Mm. But I could get him on 18 per year on a four-year deal. And, and so see, his cap hit in the first year was 12.6 million, like, uh, uh, in my opinion, a dreamy scenario, all right? Mm. And... So with all this conversation that I, I we were telling and I, I was saying about wide receiver two might not be the, nece the necessity of this offense, one guy that I would really like to add would be Higgins because I feel like if you add a, a young guy like him and a proven guy like him, you can have a, a, a large deal, like a long-term deal, and he might be your number two as long as Diggs is here, but he can be your future elite too as well when you draft the next guy you know and maybe mm -hmm. be part of this transition and in the worst case scenario be 
a, a, a good level number two for Allen all along. And in the best case scenario, he becomes your number one, maybe, right? So, uh, how do you see the situation with Higgins or with other player uh, at the wide receiver position uh, as a possibility, or even out of a wide receiver position with other guy that you see the Bills maybe splashing a, a, a higher offer in a, a long-term deal and, and making the cap work for now and knowing that he can be fit in the in the cap uh, down mm -hmm. the stretch with a higher value, being it Higgins or being it uh, maybe uh, Winfield, that safety, that's a guy that yeah. I love and has all the passes, he's that playing for the Bills. Right. How do you see this situation? Well, where they are financially from a cap perspective, there are several – more than several moves in terms of what they can do as far as like restructures and extensions and guys as in terms of like releases, pay cuts, like they can get themselves to create about like 30, 40, like million dollars worth of cap space. Like it's not too hard. It's not anything like too crazy. Um, and with that, and then depending on what the salary cap is for this year, there's some rumors that it's going to be at like 250 million, which would be nice. Like if it, versus their originally reported like 242 or 243, so that way that like the Bills could use that extra like seven or eight million dollars to potentially make a move like that. Um, but I I don't think they're out of the realm of making like a splash, quote unquote. Like I don't know if it can be the splash to the level of you know, Antoine Winfield or T Higgins or Michael Pittman Jr., like a wide receiver from Indianapolis, but they do have the opportunity to, to create some sort of splash move. And on top of that, to your point, the whole, the whole way you get around it is by structuring that salary where that first year's cap hit is in the low double digits, like a 10, 11, 12, 13, like they can afford someone to come in and have that average annual value, you know, be around that mark or at the very least have the cap hit be around those low double digits early. I feel like T Higgins, man, I would love, I would love T Higgins, but I also like, I've always wanted a ball winner, like, especially like someone downfield like that, like who turns, you know, the T Higgins quote of like, I take 50, 50 balls and turn them into 80, 20 balls. So like I, and I think that's accurate. And I love that, but I know Allen tends to gravitate towards more like, shiftier clean separator type of guys so i always wonder like how that body would fit but i would love that skill set and that and that dynamic in this bill's offense we've really never seen it from like a legitimate top two kind of wide receiver on a team for allen and you know i i think that type of tier and also i just want to say too if it if it if i had to spend the money on t higgins or winfield everyone's probably gonna hate me i would do it for winfield in a heartbeat i just love the way he plays i think he makes such a difference um granted t higgins would as well but I think there's a chance they can make a splash. I don't know if it'll be to that tier. I think it would be more of like, you know, Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle from Houston, or maybe even Jonathan Grenard, the edge from Houston as well, who maybe doesn't get paid what Josh Allen or Brian Burns get paid. Josh Allen, of course, the Jags, Josh Allen, mm -hmm. which, man, if I always hear everybody say like, man, the Bills should get like the other Josh Allen. That for me would annoy the hell out of me because you're always going to have to <laughs> clarify which Josh Allen you're talking yeah. about. Like, it's too much. Um, but I think they realistically could make like a splash type of move. I don't know if it's going to be one of those high price, high tier type of dudes, but I think it's someone who could get a contract where the average annual value is around 11, 12 million per year, or maybe a little bigger, but you structure that cap hit the first year around that. So I don't think a splash, like relatively speaking, is out of the question. I just don't know how big of a splash it would be in terms of like getting a T Higgins or somebody like that. But again, it is possible. It just means that 
Like they could go after T Higgins and free agency and use all that cap space and grab him. But then like every other, every draft pick then has to become defense mm. and every other free agent move for the defense is one in two year deals, which then you're going to be in the same position next year and the year after where you have to sign more defensive linemen. You have to sign, you know, more, do you have to look at safety again? Like how are you addressing? You really have to nail those draft picks. It puts you in a little bit of a bind, but it's doable to a degree. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Awesome. Um, so I love that you mentioned Jonathan Greener because that's a guy that, uh, that I've been looking at and, and I don't know, he's, he, he had a big year for the, for the Texans this mm-hmm. last season the previous year wasn't that good but the year before that was really good as well and he's not a guy that's talked a lot right maybe the Texans are right now in a position where we used to be as a, as as the bills before josh allen and and maybe people don't pay that much attention but when you look at them and greenard has been awesome as as a pass rusher as an edge player for them and and Spotrock has his market value at around 15 million, if I'm not mistaken, 16 million. Um, do you feel like he can be the answer? Because let me even add here, I, I did a mock off season for the show here, not in Sonia, uh, not via in Sonia mode. All right, it was the, the official, the first official one. Okay. And I wasn't as happy as my in Sonia version. All right. But I feel like it's more realistic. This one, I feel like it's more realistic than the the, the first one. And mm-hmm. I could bring those guys when you see like Daquan Jones. It was a two-year deal. That's why his first year is 5.6 million. It was around 7 million. I could add Jeremy Sheen. I know you love him. I love him. I feel like everybody loves Jeremy Sheen <laughs> and has been like this since the beginning, since his, yeah. his draft, I believe. Yeah. Right? And I added him in a four-year deal here. Uh, Curtis Samuel, I could add also in a three-year deal. And, and he, he was around 10 million. And Andrew Billings as a rotational guy. And Romeo Aquara was desperation move because I, I lost all the other edges. And I, could, I <laughs> needed to add somebody. So I added Aquara. I don't feel like it was a good contract. He is not coming from a great season. But yeah. But he was the, the guy that I went after Bef- because I didn't want to underpay because I would be able to get Greenard here underpaying him. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to go that route for, for realism reasons, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you feel like Greenard can be the answer uh, for this Bills uh, edge depth guy, or even to become a starter opposite Greg Rousseau in a long-term deal? The Bills can bet on him sustaining that level of play. He's a young guy, and and maybe give more time or, or allow it allows home Miller to get comfortable to rotate mm-hmm. to to get back at being himself with playing time and with after a, another full off season of of work now to trying to get right do you feel, feel like greener deserves this kind of money throw at him and this kind of trust at being one of our starters down the road oh absolutely if, if we could get him for the ideal cost that I'd like, I would take him in a heartbeat. Like I, I think he's going to end up getting a contract around three to four or three to four years, somewhere in like the average annual value of like 14 to 16 million. I feel like he'll probably get like between 25 and 30 million guaranteed, which I think works for him obviously, but he really does have like that one true year of elite production. And I'm not ready to pay him to be like a top 10 edge. Again, I don't think he's going to be in that Josh Allen, Brian Burns type of category Mm -hmm. of classification, but I would pay him, um, you know, I've seen some market value projections for him around like 13 million, like average annual value. Like if they could get him in the low double digits, even up to like 15 million average annual value, which really, really, really is pushing it. He he's the guy who he's my top tier realistic splash move that I think they can make. I think Sheldon Rankins is much more realistic, but Greenard or Grenard, I should say is he's really pushing the envelope in terms of like, Oh, we're really stretching the purse strings here and how realistic it is. But I would do it in a heartbeat. I think he pairs very well with Greg Rousseau. He also fits the archetype of what the bills like at their edge position. Like he can run through people. He can compress the pocket. He's got a lot of speed to power, but He's got really good hand usage. He's got 34.875 arm lengths, almost 35-inch arms, which is great arm length. He can use those long arms. He's got a really good swipe move. He understands pass rush plan and how to set up tackles. in terms of games, I he's one of my top free agent. He is actually is my top like free agent from a wish list perspective, even though again he is pushing the envelope in terms of realism. Um, I did a film breakdown for him on the show this week with Eric in the film room. I put out a, a, a highlight reel of, of clips and analysis on Twitter as well. He just the, the Cincinnati game was one that really turned me on to him because he spent the entire first half working Orlando Brown going through his chest and going outside repeatedly, repeatedly. And like winning, he had a couple reps too, where he lifts Brown off the ground and Grinard weighs like 260 pounds and Orlando Brown weighs like 340. So it's nuts, but he's doing that the whole first half. And then the second half comes and now he's setting him up again. And Brown's like, okay, let me, you know, let me kick. Let me get out of my stance early because he's going to try and push through and Grenard's beating him inside. Just like how he sets things up and understands things from a football IQ perspective going into his age 27 season. I would make a three to four year commitment for him. Like in an instant, he would be my preferred option. He fits a need. He pairs well with Greg Rousseau, who you're probably going to exercise the fifth year option with Rousseau. So these guys get to play several years together, a couple years together. Doesn't put the pressure on Von Miller. Like you said, non, but now Von Miller can be that three and just kind of let him relax and ease his way in. And then now all of a sudden you have a really cool three-man rotation at edge and a very strong one where you have one of the best run-defending edges in football in Greg Rousseau, an up-and-coming pass rusher in Jonathan Grenard, who also plays the run 
really well. Just some stats for him, too, because I have him here. So amongst 118 edges in 2023, he was tied for 31st in pressures, tied for 32nd in pass rush productivity, and then he was tied for 10th in sacks. Amongst 121 edges versus the run, he was tied for 16th in stops and tied for 20th in stop percentage. So you've got this overall like strong edge who can play the run and play the pass pairing with Greg Rousseau who's this elite run defending edge who can still pressure the quarterback then if you get anything from Von Miller maybe you're using him situationally to 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 be a pass rusher maybe he's just this closer from a sack perspective like it opens up a lot on the edge Grenard is one who I really really like again I think he pushes the bounds of realism but I think it's one they could do and that's the type of move I would do like I would push the money and push that financial envelope for a dude like Grenard because of his fit, the need at that position and how good he is and the upward trajectory. I think he's continuing on. Awesome. And a defensive tackle, you already uh, mentioned rankings, right? A guy as a potential fit. And I feel like everybody is, is counting a lot on Daquan Jones coming back and it's understandable. He's been great for us. Uh, I feel like we've been calling for a, an extension for a long time. Greg has, uh, has been doing it on his show for a long time since before the, the start of the last season. But for some reason, he it seems he's going to hit the market. And with the, the way his season happened, maybe we, we wouldn't even have, an, have a shot if he didn't get injured, right? Because he was playing awesome. And now yeah. uh, there is a possibility of him coming back. But... How do you rank those possibilities with Daquan Jones and rankings and which other guys do you feel like? Uh, one guy that have, I've been seeing on available uh, as a, as an option in those mock-off seasons and in mock free agencies, Javon Kinlaw, who's still mm-hmm. young and, and, and with all that first-round pedigree and all that potential and finally started to, to play a little bit better for San Francisco. How do you see those guys and which other guys would you like to call attention to fits for the Bills? So I I think Daquan has a realistic shot of coming back. Like I, at worst, I'd put it at like 50-50. He likes the area. He likes the team. He likes the culture. He likes the franchise. He knows his fit here. He knows his role. And he plays it really well. The only way I don't see him coming back is, to your point, if before he got hurt – I think he was on track to be an all pro in 2023. He was having a phenomenal season. Like he was doing everything against the run that we all thought he would, but his pass rush productivity and what he was doing in that regard was just a step up in his game. And so the only way I don't see him coming back is if he really gets paid on the open market and it's possible. Somebody could give Mm -hmm. him nine or $10 million a year. Maybe it's only a one or two year deal, two years, 20 million or one year, like 10 or 11 million. And he wants to chase that or, or, you know, maybe he thinks there's another team out there that has a better chance to win a Super Bowl than the Bills, and that's where he wants to go, and they're also going to pay him close or decent. Like, I think there's a multitude of ways where he doesn't come back, either financially or from a winning perspective, maybe. Um, but I do think a lot of signs point to him returning to Buffalo or hopefully returning to Buffalo. He's up there for my free agency, like, wish list. I, I usually leave him off because, like, he was a Bill, and I try to focus on, like, guys that are completely outside the organization already, but he was, he's an ad I would love to make and immediately in a heartbeat, I, heartbeat. I'd go up to like 8 million a year. Um, you know, he's with where he is like at age 32 and he has had some injury concerns. Um, but I'd love to bring him back in an instant. Rankins is up there for me as well, just because he's a little younger <clears throat> than Daquan and also offers he's 
a better pass rusher than Daquan is, mm-hmm. more of a complete pass rusher, but he's a slightly less or slightly worse run defender. Not worse in a bad way, but Daquan's like an elite run defender inside. Yeah. Um, and I just think with what Rankins offers you combined with his age, you could solidify that starting position next to Ed Oliver and have some versatility to bump him into Ed's spot or use him in different spots along the defensive line. Um, and so the age combined with the skill set and what he does is really up there for me. Looking at the rest of the defensive tackle market, it gets like it gets wonky because there's so like Daquan can function against the pass and the run. Sheldon Rankins can function against the pass and the run. There's so many so many pieces of versatility and what they're able to do. But a lot of guys on this market are like siloed type of dudes. Like I like Ashawn Robinson, the defensive tackle. Well, he'd be a defensive tackle, but coming over from the Giants, used to be with the Lions. Played more of a 3-4 defensive end with the Giants, but his frame and size at 320 pounds, like six foot four, he would be your one tech playing next to Ed Oliver. Um, but he doesn't really give you a lot of pass rush pop. He's not somebody that has a ton of moves. Like he might get some penetration or, you know, drive his man back into the lap mm-hmm. of the quarterback, but he's not going to have the pass rush productivity. What he is going to do is he's going to hold his ground on the line and he's going to be 320 pounds and eat up blockers and keep Terrell Bernard clean and keep Matt Milano clean. And he has enough juice where he can beat somebody quick on the line and make a stop on the line of scrimmage. He was second amongst all defensive linemen in stop percentage. Uh, Second also, I believe in total stops on the defensive line. So he's a pure run stuffer, run defender, but on third down, you're taking him off the field. Whereas mm-hmm. Daquan and Sheldon Rankins and some guys like that, you can leave them on the field until they're gassed and they want to pass out. Robinson, you're taking off because he's not giving you that pass rush pop. And I think there's a lot of dudes who fit in that regard. Um, Kinlaw is a really interesting name. I haven't started to watch the tape on him yet, but I, I, those guys are always intriguing to me. Like guys who are first round picks who have the frame and the size and the traits, but never really caught on. It's always mm-hmm. like, okay, what happens if we put them somewhere else? Can we develop them? Can we tap into something that someone else couldn't? The only thing that worries me a little with him is San Francisco and their coaching staff have been like a rehabilitation center for defensive linemen. Like they get every drop out of everyone. They take someone who was a cast off and they turn them into like a quality, like rotational or depth guy or a starter. And so Kinlaw not really developing into much with them gives me a little cause for concern because I think they've developed defensive linemen, identified defensive linemen, and got more out of them better than the Bills have um, Mm -hmm. the past several years under Eric Washington. But maybe Marcus West, new defensive line coach, can tap into something else. Um, But I think those are also the type of moves you have to consider, like the Kinlaws of the world, guys who have certain traits, didn't really have the production that matched it, and maybe they're looking for a one or two year deal to kind of rehab their image and you pay them for that. And then they try to cash in somewhere else, right? Like those, that's the type of world the bills are going to have to really live in because again, they can't break the, break the bank for too many guys. So the kin laws of the world, like, I think that's an interesting one as well. Trying to, you know, get guys who are like, no, I'll sign a one year, you know, $5 million deal because I think I can ball out. And then next year I can sign a two or 3 million, you know, 20, $30 million deal after I rehab my image for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, man. And despite the talk about wide receiver, maybe not being a priority or we know that Bean goes to free agency and he likes to, to use it to when draft time arrives, we don't have the huge, hole there that you gotta go that position because you 
gotta draft a wide receiver two, or you gotta draft a defensive tackle one, or you gotta draft a, a safety to start alongside Poyer at least. We know that that he likes to go to free agency and find those pieces that establish a, a floor, right? Where he can okay, I couldn't find the value isn't there when I pick in round one, twenty eight pick. I, I the, the, the value isn't there for wide receiver for some reason. So I will go defensive tackle maybe, or I will go safety maybe, or even trade out of the draft, or or yeah. need to trade up. And so uh, he will need to bring a wide receiver to establish this floor, right? And I mentioned Curtis Samuel before because that's a guy yeah. who had a good good past with Brady, right? And he has the speed as well, despite maybe not being. I, I see him more as a. a guy like McKinsey or even Hardy, they have the speed, but they aren't the, that guys, that deep threat um, kind of wide receiver. They are more like the, the the guys who be used on jet motions or screen mm-hmm. passes, you know? I feel like Samuel is kind of like this as well. Can be wrong, obviously. But another guy that I feel like when I watch the, the Panthers you know, from, from Bean and McDermott's era still, and they... Ken Newton had a huge success with Ted Ginn Jr., resurrecting Ted Ginn Jr.'s career, right? Mm-hmm. And then with the Bills and Josh Allen already, we had uh, we had Smoke Brown having a great success with, with Josh Allen as well. Uh, Hollywood Brown, man, that guy has the mm-hmm. speed to burn. He's this kind of small guy, speedster, deep threat. He might not contribute a lot blocking as a wide receiver too but even if you if you don't count on him as the uh, in fact your wide receiver two blocking and being on the field all the time that's a guy that every time he steps on the field he can be a, a nice threat for josh allen down downfield how do you see the possibility of hollywood brown being this this floor for established by being as wide receiver two or even thinking in a move like i told about t higgins that's a guy who mm-hmm. Who will be a, a deep threat for the last for the next three years, maybe, and and you can pair him with Josh for the foreseeable future. What do you see? So, real quick, um, as we're having this conversation, I feel like it's important to because it ties in big time to our conversation. Because I was seeing what happened in the chat, and then I googled it. So the NFL literally just announced like four or five minutes ago the 2024 salary cap is going to be 255 million. That's immaculate for the bills. Cause again, like we were literally, were just saying 10 minutes ago before the yes. news dropped there, it was kind of reported around like the low two forties, maybe mid two forties. It was looking like mm-hmm. 242, 243. So this is like a $12 million increase ballpark um, of what I, we kind of initially thought this now makes a Hollywood Brown, more realistic, a Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel, more realistic, maybe even like the top tier with the T Higgins of the world that increases a little realism as well. But again, I think more of those, lower tier wide receivers Mm -hmm. yeah like i think this and i wanted to bring it up because i do think yeah this makes a curtis samuel or a marquise brown more realistic and i I like that skill set right like that type of dynamic player who can give you those gadget opportunities like you said those jet motions or little bubble screens out of the backfield and you get it to them really quick and they turn they break one tackle and turn it into 17 yards or they can get eight yards or a first down in a hiccup in a heartbeat. And then obviously they have the speed to stretch the field vertically. That's the type of world again, pairing in with another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I would love to have an amazing true wide receiver too. I would love to be the Dolphins with Hill and Waddle or what the Bengals were with Chase and Higgins or uh, the Eagles with Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown and that type of situation. But again, given Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Shakir and James Cook, I really like the idea of gravitating more towards a Hollywood Brown or a Curtis Samuel, someone who gives you that specific skill set and dynamic that helps open up the offense, but isn't necessarily got to be the guy like, yo, you paid me all this money and I, I've, I've only seen like three targets a game the last three games. Like what the hell is going on? No, mm-hmm. like I think, and, and this this cap space opening up a little bit. That's funny. Yeehaw, it's Christmas. Yeah, those are electric. Yeah, cars. it's like, your trees. Your trees, definitely. Was, yeah, yeah, that's why I did it. I knew, I knew yeah. this would happen. It just yeah, perfect. Cool. Um, but that type of cap space really makes these type of moves more realistic, which then makes it more exciting because, like, to your point, it's easy to already see the skill set and the fit, right? Like the speed, the juice, the athleticism, everything that they add. Now you could potentially pay that realistically now with how much this cap has opened up. Um, but yeah, I, I like that type of move. Like you, when you can just add that type of electricity to an offense, especially an offense like the bills and exactly your point, like look what Josh did when he had like John Brown, more of those burners. The bills really haven't had that. Like Stefan Diggs is a true wide receiver. One isn't really a, a burner downfield. Gabe Davis was the deep threat. Definitely not a burner downfield. They've never really had that pure speed option. I was hoping Deontay Hardy would be that mm-hmm. for whatever reason he just didn't catch on. And, um, you know, when you pulled up your chart earlier, I was going to mention it. I do think he's a sneaky cut candidate just because you saw yeah. two different, uh, different coordinators. Dorsey didn't get anything with him. Joe Brady didn't really get much with him. His only memorable thing was the punt return against Miami and that big third down catch against Kansas City in the regular season. Um, and if they cut him, I, I believe it's like they can save like five million uh, mm-hmm. or, or high fours, and it's only like a one million or like less cap hit. I don't remember the number in front of me, but there's like a significant amount of money that they actually. I'm going to look it up right now. I don't know why I'm like acting like I don't have the power of the internet yeah. at my fingertips. Um, like I think Hardy's like a sneaky cut candidate because of that. As I go to yeah, so if they cut him, they could save. Um, yeah, like five, four million bucks and only have a dead cap hit of like 1.4, depending if you're doing like post June 1st or pre June 1st, however you mm-hmm. want to break it up. And again, just because I thought he would be that deep threat kind of guy. I like what I saw on tape in New Orleans, but the fact that he didn't catch on with Dorsey or Joe Brady, that worries me a little bit. And the only reason I don't want to cut him is because if you cut him, now you have to add multiple wide receivers. That means you lost Hardy, Sherfield, and Gabe Davis. Now wide receiver becomes kind of a positional need because you don't have rostered bodies. But again, monetarily, maybe what you lose in quantity, you make up for in quality, right? With who you sign. Like you lost three wide receivers, but you drafted one in the second round and you signed Curtis Samuel. And now it's like, okay, you lost three, but the two you replaced them with are better overall than those three. Yeah, absolutely, man. And man, I could talk football all day long with you here, but unfortunately, the time the time flies by. To close it out, 
Uh, we didn't talk safety enough. We talked a little bit about Chim. Any other names? I love Duggar as well and, and those guys. Man, those guys would be awesome as as Bill safeties. Huh? And, and not sure how do you see Poyer next season because I feel like he had his moments this year. And But sometimes it was also good to count on him as a dime linebacker, especially because we lost Milano for, for mm -hmm. the year, right? Maybe with Milano and Bernard all year long, uh, we don't need this 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 role as much. Mm. Uh, which are your favorite guys at safety? And, and do you feel like the Bills can bring a nice uh, hide the uh, replacement you know, in, to join Poyer there? I really like Jeremy Chin, which you've already mentioned. Um, yeah. the, the thing with Chin is – well, it's two things for me with him, like from a negative perspective. One, I think him and Poyer, there's a little like positional redundancy there. Mm -hmm. Like Chin basically plays like a younger, bigger, faster Jordan Poyer. Yeah. Um, but to, to Bill's our electric point here, like he's only 25 years old, love to sign to a three-year deal. Yeah. The thing with Chin that I'm banking on is his size, his frame – his athleticism and his skill set are so intriguing. And I think all of that is the reason why he hasn't developed properly in Carolina. Granted, he also spent some time on the IR in 2023 and in 2022. So he's had some soft muscle injuries the last two years, which is a cause for concern. But he's got this skill set that makes you think like, man, like we can play him everywhere. Like, oh man, like Look at this like soccer player. We could play him at like wing or we could put him at center forward or we could put him at the midfield and you put him in all these different spots and then he's 25 and everybody's like, he never developed like all this buzz and it's nothing. It's like, yeah, because you tried yeah. playing him in 10 different positions. He never got to yeah. learn one position and now look what you got. And that coupled with the injuries, I think potentially drives his market down a little bit. His rookie year, they were playing him more as like a box safety around the line. Second year, they were trying to play him everywhere at safety third year they were working him into more linebacker this last year he was basically like a big nickel or an apex I think and, and that has played into how he sees the field and how he processes like he has some mental errors at time but I think if you take him and put him at one position and teach him that and coach him up at that that's what gets me so excited with the Bills. Playing him at a regular safety spot allowing him to see the field and learn how to process properly from that position in a team like the Bills, who have a track record of coaching up every single type of defensive back, man, you take someone with Chin's type of skill set, he's 220 pounds and he runs a 4-4-5-40. Like, he can play single high safety. He can play in the box. You can blitz him. You can do all these things. And then if Poyer goes away next year, you seamlessly kind of transition him into more of that Poyer role. Um, so I, I think it has a, there's some hiccups for 2024, although it can still work. But this is a move that would really pay off for the future. Um, I also, from a free agent perspective, and to your point, I would love Kyle Duggar. I just think he's going to cost too much, and it can't happen. Chin Chin could cost some money as well. There's There could be a team yeah. out there that sees everything he brings and is like, Carolina misused him. We're going to make him an all-pro. Let's bring him in. Or the market might be like, he's been injured. He never really caught on. I don't want to pay him. And that's where the bills come in. And we're like, here's your two or three year deal for like 5 million or 4 million a season. And here we go. Mm -hmm. And now you're that guy. Um, I really look towards the draft for a lot of the safety needs. I love cam kitchens from Miami. I love Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. There's even a couple other dudes like day two and day three guys like Jalen Simpson, the safety from Auburn. 
Uh, Malik Mustafa, the safety from Wake Forest. Uh, Kaiten Oladapo, the safety from Oregon State. Like, there's some really fun options at safety there. I love the idea of getting one of those guys early and having them be a starter this year opposite of Jordan Poyer or bringing in a uh, free agent type of safety to play alongside Poyer, drafting a safety on day two or day three, having them be your starter in 2025. I like that type of mix, Um, especially if they go with the chin route. Like if it's chin and Poyer this year, I'm drafting more of a free safety based type of safety. Mm -hmm. And then next year, chin is going fully into the Poyer role. And then that other safety is starting alongside chin. So there's some positional redundancy aspects. I also wouldn't rule out the idea of Poyer being cut given what they can save. I just don't see it happening with all the other turnover there. You need him from a leadership presence on and off the field and what he means. I think it would be a lot to have two new starting safeties. Um, But Chin is definitely up there for me just because I think the Bills can correct a lot of the flaws that he's developed and a lot of the problems that he has and really get him set on the straight and narrow. And just, I mean, man, like dude is... Dude, 6'3", 220 pounds, runs a 4'4", can play any position. Like, that type of skill set. Like, look what, no disrespect to Poyer and Hyde, look what McDermott and and crew did with Poyer and Hyde, turning them into all-pro safeties. They don't have the size or the speed or the raw traits that Chin does. They were more polished. If they can add that polish, that's where that excitement comes up and thinking, Mm -hmm. like, man, what could they coach him to be? 100% agree, man. It would be awesome to add him. And to close it out, uh, to close it out, and your your main draft crushes. You Ooh. told some names at safety, at defensive tackle, and and at wide receiver. So let's imagine Vin is going to the draft. He already set the floor at those positions. Could grab some some nice value in the in the free agency. He's not drafting for a for need, right? What would be your your number your preferable wide receiver your favorite wide receiver or your favorite defensive tackle in this draft to add uh to be part of the rotation or part of uh of this offense knowing the 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 the, the role that's available it's so tough because there's certain dudes i like at those positions that i really like um for wide receiver i know a lot of people are high on troy franklin i feel like that's the easy one that a lot of people are going to say um my draft crush would be xavier worthy the wide receiver from texas love him Love yeah, him. it just he's got some drops issues, but he's corrected him a bit this year. Everything that he brings and from a skill set perspective, he's one of the best route runners in this class. He can fly. He can stretch the field. He can win in so many ways. I put a clip out. Uh, I mean, I put a bunch of clips out with him, but he <laughs> runs this like 10 yard speed out and he doesn't he, he's he runs at full speed the whole time. He turns by getting low and he drags his hand across the ground to help himself turn and come out of his break. Like he runs everything at a hundred miles an hour. What I also like about him is he gives you this weapon. Now this fits into our conversation from earlier. He gives you the speed and that dynamic weapon you want right now. Long-term I see him as a slot and a Z wide receiver mm-hmm. kind of with how they use digs motioning him a lot before the snap, doing different things. I think Worthy can then take over that Stephon Diggs role while also being a very functional piece in the offense with Diggs, with Kincaid, and with Khalil Shakir. He's my biggest, like, crush at the wide receiver spot. There's some, like, later guys, like some day three dudes. Like, I like Taj Washington, and I like Malik Washington. I like Jalen McMillan from uh, um, 
uh, Washington Huskies. There's a lot of Washingtons like in name and obviously university, but Xavier Worthy would be my crush there. And then defensive tackle, Byron Murphy from Texas. I think he can do anything on the interior. He's awesome. I like Johnny Newton, the defensive tackle from Illinois. Uh, the issue with that is he's more of a pure three tech. He's more of an Ed Oliver than he is a Daquan mm-hmm. Jones. I don't think you're setting him up for success by putting him necessarily in the Daquan Jones role. Um, I like Braden Fisk, defensive tackle from Florida State. I think he's a really good rotational guy right off the bat. He is your defensive tackle three and just offers you pure juice. I like Dwayne Carter from Duke. Um, I like Tyler Davis uh, from Clemson, more of a day three dude, but my true crush on the interior is Byron Murphy from Texas and then Johnny Newton from Illinois. Just there's some positional redundancy with Ed, but he's so good that I'm just like, screw it. Just take good football players and then figure out how to use them. Absolutely. Yeah. uh, Every time Murphy is out there in the first round, I have a a hard time passing on him. I don't think he's going to last to 28. And I, the, the one that really got it for me was, so I went to the senior bowl. He was supposed to be there. I was so excited. Tuesday was the first practice Monday night at like eight or nine o'clock. He announced that he wasn't going to practice, wasn't going, wasn't doing anything. And I think that's because his agent was in his ear. Like, dude, you're going in the top 20 picks in the first round. You don't need to do anything here. Don't even risk it. And then it was like, Oh yeah. He's like, he's got a banged up hand or something. It's like, no, he doesn't like you saw all the projections and you spoke with teams and you know where he's going to go. So you don't want him risking anything if it's not needed. Yeah. I, he would be a guy I would trade up for more than anyone in the first round. Like if he somehow slipped to like 21, 22, I'm jumping up and trying to figure out a way to trade up. But yeah, I don't there. I don't think there's, I think there's maybe like a 1% chance he lasts to 28. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, man. When he's there, I always, it's automatic pick and defensive tackle. Let's figure it out wide receiver later, you know? I did, and, a, mo- I did a mock draft like a month ago or no earlier yeah. this month where like, I got Murphy in the first round and I got like Cam Kitchens in the second. And I forget who I got at the third, but I was ready to stop after that. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I got my safety. <laughs> I'm done. Like, I don't need to do anything else. It's over. I don't forget about the rest of the picks. I don't care. Yeah, 100%. And with Murphy, I, I, I know sometimes it can sound a little bit lazy, but when I see Murphy making all those plays, I, all I can remember is Lee Evans, man. I Maybe Lee Evans oh. was a little bit more physical, like on contested catches sometimes, oh. but... But all that speed and, and just like you said, r- running routes full, full speed, man, and not losing a step and, and Worthy might be able to, to have this kind of impact. And uh, I remember how we drafted Lee Evans and he could be wide receiver due to Eric Modes in his first year and, and be an impact player from day yeah. one, right? And we already had Modes established. We already had um, Josh... Josh Reed, right? Yeah, who was a really good slot receiver. Yeah, yeah, established as well. And and Evans could, since day one, become a a deep threat and a guy who contributed. And maybe Worthy can can be this kind of guy for this offense. I'd be really happy adding him. No doubt. So in the conversation, like I've seen a lot of like Troy Franklin and Brian Thomas and like these dudes that just have like a really like Brian Thomas is huge and also really fast. Mm -hmm. And Troy Franklin probably is going to have one of the fastest 40 times of anybody at the combine. Like he's probably going to run like a four, three, four, four, three, five. Like he just runs like the gazelle. It's beautiful. Um, he just doesn't have the route running polish that worthy does like in any way. I don't think Troy Franklin's a very good route runner right now. Now Mm -hmm. he's got something you can't teach, which is that speed. 
So the thought is, okay, look at what the speed he brings. We can coach him up to be a better route runner and understand different things, which is fine. Like I, I just, for my, myself personally, I gravitate more towards the guys that already have more of that technical aspect in their game coming out of college. And then also combined with the fact like Worthy is also extremely fast. He's not as fast as Franklin, but still like, okay, Franklin's like a 97 Madden speed. Xavier Worthy yeah. is going to be like a 94. Like that's still amazing. Yeah. And he's also a way better route runner. He's also tougher after the catch. Like there's so many things. And then again, long-term roster build, like how he fits in, how he fits in now, what you can do at the end of the day, like this conversation is going to happen a ton there's so many options for the bills. Like it's a really fun conversation because there's a lot of ways they can take different dudes and have them become benefits to the offense. Yeah, man. And what do you think about Adonai Mitchell? I'm a big Texas guy, you know, since Vince Young days, I was a big, big Vince Young fan. And maybe the Great, greatest was football game I've ever seen was that Rose Bowl with Texas versus man, USC, that man. Oh, it's crazy. Fourth and five Vince Young. That's crazy. And, and everybody and I was I, literally just like run it, just run it. And he took off and I was yeah. like, yes, and he scored. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy. And this young was probably Josh Allen before Josh Allen. Josh Allen in the NFL was what this young was doing as Texas, like a one-man offense, rushing the ball, throwing the ball. It was crazy. It was nuts. And since that 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 era, I became like I'm I don't have connections to college, obviously, in the US. So I picked Texas to be my kind of college team. I don't follow college football closely, but always an eye on, on some Longhorns. And, man, Adonai Mitchell is my favorite wide receiver, like mm. in this end of first round, start of second round mm-hmm. range, you know, because I don't know, man. I, he's so smooth, and the way he moves, the way he catches the ball, he, he reminds me of DeAndre Hopkins. I'm a big DeAndre Hopkins fan, mm. and, and he's larger, he's taller, and, and you know, so smooth, can can kind of uh, stop in the air to make some catches. I, I'm a big fan, and I, I'm curious to hear from you. Even if you hate him, please crush my soul now. But no. what's your opinion on Adonai Mitchell? And so he's it's, young, right? 21 year old yeah. just, right? So. It's funny, the first time I saw him, I was watching him versus Kansas State, and his routes looked so lazy. And I was like, what the hell is this? And there was some laziness to it. But then as I started watching him more, it's just that he's that smooth that his routes look so like the way he moves is so effortless that you're like, is this dude even trying out there? And it's like, he's just that smooth. And a six foot four, almost 200 pounds of like 196 smooth, fluid, athletic. He explodes out of his breaks, like the suddenness in his breaks and the explosion or like power out of them. Like he runs a slant and when he puts his foot in the ground and pops out, like he jumps like a yard and a half or two yards. Cause he's just twitched up and powerful and explosive. He's a good ball tracker. He has soft hands. I'm literally reading my scouting report that I have for him. Um, really good catch <laughs> radius. He's able to extend and reach outside of his frame vertically and horizontally. He's a dude I like as well. He's, he's in that like, second and third tier of wide receiver. I feel like there's a, there's that cluster. It's like, depending on where you have Brian Thomas or where you have Xavier Worthy, it's like the big three with Harrison and Neighbors and Odunze. And then it's like Brian Thomas and Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and 
um, Keon Coleman and like Jalen Polk and like all these guys where everyone's trying to figure out who to rank where I do like Mitchell. Um, I I've seen some people who don't like his game, but I'm, I'm a fan. I just think he's very smooth, very athletic. And he's a, he's a ball, he's a ball winner. He's in that T Higgins type of mold and build where you throw it up to him and he's going to make a play. Like I, I put out a couple clips of him against Bama and some other games where he's just mossing dudes and, and tracking the ball downfield. And even the one against, um, Washington in the in the semifinals where he jumps too early in the end zone but he hangs in midair for like four seconds like he jumps too early and just floats and then plucks it out of the air and brings it down like he's really impressive athletically I think the combine is going to go a long way towards helping him if he runs a good 40 and has like a good a good three cone drill and shows what he can do because the tape is there um admit Texas has a bunch there's worthy and uh and obviously Mitchell their their tight end Sanders is really fun they have another dude Jordan Winnington number 13 yeah. with the dreads I well, love yeah. the way he plays football um he's another dude who I really like like they had a really fun team uh at Texas mm-hmm. this year and there's a lot of fun dudes come draft time to watch no doubt no doubt and thank you so much for joining us today man I really appreciate you know you're always welcome here in the leading the chart the doors always wide open I wish we could talk even longer and talk more soccer as well. I know. Because I would know would like to know how happy are you with Barcelona nowadays. And I'm mad at my Bayern Munich right now. They they suck right now. I never <laughs> seen they sucking so bad. And but <laughs> and my Botafogo here in Brazil, man, they are the Bills version of the soccer team, man. We last season we lost an advantage of 14 or 15 point lead in the championship and we lost the championship man and, and it's crazy crazy totally crazy botafogo is the most cursed team in the world maybe. oh my and it, god yeah it's like like the the wide right and the stuff that we see with the bills botafogo has all this kind of stuff happening to them so <laughs> but it's always to have you here to talk ball to you and and i really appreciate you taking your time man no, of course. I, I always enjoy coming on the show and talking uh, bills and football with you and then talking soccer like we it's always so tough, too, because like I, wa- I want to talk more soccer with you. But I'm like, no, we're going to get too sidetracked and it won't yeah. be able to happen. But I got to find a way to get it in there. And like, yeah, we're always trying to like talk before we go live. And yeah, it's just you're, you're a good dude. I always enjoy talking sports with you in general, with your background and your history and your professional like play and everything like that. So um, I say it all the time, like anytime you want me, you got me. I always enjoy coming here. Um, so, yeah, thank you for having me. I had a blast. Awesome, man. Really appreciate it. Bills Mafia, thank you so much. Hit that like button and subscribe to Buffalo Rumble's channel. Support our job here. I'll be back on Sunday in Portuguese with the, ver- the Portuguese version of Loving the Charge. And I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Go, Bills. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.